Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Have you seen Trevor Lawrence play? I've seen him play. Uh, and, I, and I think he's really good. I don't know if Jacksonville, in my opinion, I, I don't know if quarterback is their immediate need. Uh, probably a lot of needs that they have. Uh, I'm not, I, I would take Devontae Adams, excuse me, Devontae Smith. The, the last two games I, I've watched this guy play, I, I, I mean, I'm blown away with how good, knowing that teams know that he's going to get the ball and he dominates. Uh, um, I, I think you go with a guy like that. Nothing against Trevor Lawrence, but I think you can find a free agent guy or a guy in the latter rounds or mid rounds in, in the draft. But you, if you just don't find a, a, a guy like a, this guy can be a Jerry Rice. He can be a, a, a different, but a, but a Randy Moss, a, a total game changer. Oh man, that hurts. <laughs> Do you know who that was? I didn't even listen. I just put the headphones back on. Unbelievable. Coos, play the first part again for him, please. Because, I mean, you, you got to hear this. this Have is you big. seen Trevor Lawrence play? I've seen him play. Uh, and, I, and I think he's really good. I don't know if Jacksonville, in my opinion, I, I don't know if quarterback is their immediate need. Uh, <laughs> did Brett Favre really say that? He really did. Really, Come on, really Brett. Did. I like you, Brett. And then get a quarterback in free agency? Excuse me, sir? So now here, one of two things is going on with Brett Favre right now. One of two things. One, he hasn't watched the Jaguars all season. He's national media. I understand that. There's not a lot of televised games. I probably would pick that as well. Or the latter, that him and Gardner Minshew got a Wranglers commercial coming out. And like yes. he's trying to help his boy out a little bit and give him some shine. Yeah, Brett Favre. I mean, come on, man. Trevor Lawrence, I think Jacksonville needs Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's actually a great thought. It's like, how badly does Jacksonville need Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, man. You yeah. know, I mean, it, it's you can make the case, like it, it's actually a no-brainer case from a, a check-the-box standpoint. He's the best prospect this organization's ever had and will ever have uh, so far in their 20, now, seven years. So, yes, they need that. That is absolutely what they need. How can you watch Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and these other guys play and say, hey, I don't think that's Jacksonville's biggest need. What is? I'm Defensive hurt, tackle? Well, and obviously, <laughs> like, listen, Favre thinks that Devontae Smith is going to be the once-in-a-generational receiver. He compared him to Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, and that may be the case. But let's be honest. It starts and ends with the quarterback position. And I'm hurt, man. Like, obviously, I grew up – I mean, Favre was my hero. And to hear your hero not cover the team that you cover, it's just it's disheartening. All right, I'll be honest. It's like Michael Jordan coming out and saying, "Yeah, I was good, but I was no Larry Bird." Like if that ever came, if that ever happened, oh, if that ever happened, uh, that'd be mad respect right there. Is what I would. Say. Well, it wouldn't be the truth, but I would absolutely lose my mind if that happened. Well, I'm just trying. I, I try to take. Uh, I know we're all over the moon, kind of about Trevor Lawrence. I get it. But I'm just trying to take – I try to understand people's viewpoints a little bit. So when people started saying, hey, Jacksonville should be a destination for Deshaun Watson, I'm like, okay, let's let's vet this thing out. Let's see if it makes some sense. And first of all, probably never trading within the division, but let's just see. Deshaun Watson's a proven guy, and and he's obviously very good. You already know that. He's still young. 
we kind of said, and we agreed upon this when we said this, we don't have trouble giving up the draft capital. That's okay here in Jacksonville if you're going to get your quarterback. And we do know what Deshaun Watson is. But he also comes at the price tag of $39 million. And you're not ready to go to like a Super Bowl next year even if you got Deshaun Watson. He'd make you instantly better, but not like ready to compete like that. So you, you're wasting maybe another year, kind of like Houston has the last couple of years, wasting another year of Deshaun Watson. That doesn't make sense when you can get a guy that, quite frankly, might be better in the draft, a lot cheaper, and you rewind the clock about four or five years in terms of age. So, yes. I, that, like, that's how, but I mean, it wasn't like the most absurd thing to say Deshaun Watson to Jacksonville, would they consider uh, it for the number one pick? That, no, that's absurd, Brad. I'm sorry, but I don't that, know about that's absurd. absurd. That, no, to me, that's this, absurd. This is more absurd. Brett well, Favre no, saying listen. it's not the biggest need. It's it's all absurd in my opinion. Like you're just gonna trade away your top pick uh, and, and pay top pick money to Deshaun Watson, who's commanding one of the highest contracts in the quarterback position. Well, I'm not going to just do, I'm not going to do it, but well, I just I don't know, think it's absurd to think about it. I mean, okay, I think it's absurd. Just like I think it's absurd when Brett Favre goes, the Jaguars should draft a wide receiver with the first pick overall of the draft. Like, listen to me, <laughs> that is people, absurd. <laughs> it is, and to me, people that say those types of things, like it, it's obvious. Like you, you you don't follow the team, and you're trying to sugarcoat yeah. it. And Which that's fine. True. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I get it. Like, for the past three or four seasons, Jacksonville's that kid in the lunchroom that nobody wants to sit by, right? We're just kind of the outcast. Nobody really cares. But now all of a sudden, we're rocking some new gear. All of a sudden, you know, we're, we start dating some pretty girls in school, and people start to take notice a little bit. Now all of a sudden, yeah. we, we hit a growth spurt, and now all of a sudden, it's like we're calling the shots a little bit. That's right. And people got an issue with that. So See, people, there's hope, Ty. So there's people, hope. Yeah, there's hope. So people are trying to do their homework now and catch up a little bit. The problem is when you try to do homework, Homework, you better make sure you took some good notes because right now all I'm hearing is it's stupidity. It's no, the Jaguars aren't getting Deshaun Watson. No, the Jaguars aren't going to draft Devontae Smith. So either you know what you're talking about or just, you know, shh, and then take notes. Yeah, and that we're going to kick you out of the pickle. Jersey can't hang in the pickle anymore. Jersey can't hang in the pickle. Well, let's uh, not get crazy now, Brent. Listen, here's the other thing about it, okay? Let's just say, he mentions Jamar Chase, who, by the way, I think can, is going to be fantastic. And I've heard from people over the last year that really are high on Jamar Chase. So I think that is going to be the overall view of how good this guy can be. But for him to say Jamar Chase is almost laughable, given the Jags. I mean, they do have DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel and even a couple guys. Like, that's not their biggest need. Well, he, if, if he for some Chase, reason. He, he so, said uh, Smith. Oh, he said Smith. Yeah. Uh, which, oh, he said Devontae Smith. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm saying Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, well, either way, I'm talking receiver, right? Like, that's not even the biggest need. If if you had Indomitian Sue coming out, right, mm-hmm. or even Chase Young last year, and you had this big blockbuster defensive lineman of sorts, well, that's a better pivot to say, hey, maybe the Jags should go after a veteran QB and not worry about the young QB and get and build up that defense because that's where they really are hurting right now. And you might not be able to fix that in free agency as much as you can fix the quarterback in free agency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you if you were going with that logic, the, the Brett Favre stuff doesn't make any sense at all because there's not that guy available that is going to be like this 12-year Pro Bowl stud like a Khalil Mack, like an Ndamukong Sue, like a Chase Young that I mentioned. There's just not that guy. And there's, by the way, a receiver on every corner now in the NFL draft. I mean, just about everywhere you look, you can get a receiver. And the Jacks, quite frankly, have proven that, uh, that they can get some pretty quality wide receivers even in the second round. But he does bring up an interesting point 
not relative to the Jags. But what about all these quarterbacks that could become available, Austin? Mm. I mean, this is a new age. This is a new age now. We know free agency has existed. We know teams don't, a guy doesn't stay with his team forever. We see it in Major League Baseball. Uh, guys go, you know, from the Miami Marlins, they always end up somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, to Bryce Harper, who is so important to that organization, but goes to the Phillies, Manny Machado. I mean, we're talking about big-time ball players that don't stay with their original organization. Look at Mookie Betts, and that's a Red Sox team that's not afraid to spend money. Mm-hmm. And Mookie Betts is no longer there. So it happens in sports, but it doesn't seem to happen at this position. You know, Joe Montana, late in his career, fine, goes to Kansas City. You know, we have some examples. Now we have Tom Brady. But we're talking about, I don't really feel like this is an aging, grizzly-bearded Aaron Rodgers, he's 37, but seemingly playing a lot younger than that. Matthew Stafford is 32 years old and now going to be exiting Detroit and going somewhere else. And then you add to the mix the unhappy player of Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. And holy cow, man. I mean, this is wild where these guys could end up. And they could really change the landscape of a lot of teams, divisions, and conferences in the NFL in 2021. Without a doubt. First of all, let me start by saying this because Aaron Rodgers is obviously probably the biggest name of this group right now. There is no way that you can justify letting Aaron Rodgers walk. Or when I say walk, I don't even say walk. I mean trading him away because I think he still has two years left of his contract. And when you're a football team and you're right on the door and that door being the NFC championship game, they've been to two of those now in the past two years. You don't just throw it all away and say, "Well, we we got to start rebuilding now." Like, no, you're you're on the door. Like, you're close. You're you're extremely close. And the biggest component, the biggest advocate of being that close is Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about a guy right now who more than likely will be winning another MVP award. And you're gonna let him go? And you're gonna bring up who? Jordan Love? There's no way you can justify that. So I understand, like, after, you know, the game, that press conference, Rodgers was a little down saying, well, I'm not sure what the future is going to hold. There's no way LaFleur is going to let Rodgers walk. There is no way that is going to happen. If that happens, they are going to riot in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mark my words. And they should. Uh, and, and by the way, the better, better than some of his calls in the game was Lafleur after the game, where he basically said he better be our damn quarterback. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? listen, it's just—it's a situation <laughs> where Rodgers obviously is disappointed. He's pissed off, understandable, and he's going through his emotions right now. But. And I'm not sure how he feels with the situation, but there's no way Green Bay is going to let him go. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers next year. But I get it. It's fun to talk about. It gets the headlines, but there's no way that's going to happen. Well, they drafted a guy. They brought up the headlines, man. They drafted a guy. So, I mean, it's a little bit on them. Um, And, yeah, I think it would be crazy as well. What about Stafford, though? Well, Stafford, that to me is the big name because – Think about how you want about Matthew Stafford and his performances with the Lions, but let's keep in mind he played in Detroit, okay? And I yeah. and I say this all the time. I think he's a very underrated quarterback, and I don't think he gets the shine that he deserves just because of having played in Detroit for so long. Now I get the Lions' perspective because they got a new coaching staff, uh, a new GM, like they're ready to turn over a new leaf, and I understand that Stafford won't, won't be part of their plans. But to me, like with all the hype that Philip Rivers got when he was kind of, you know, a quote-unquote a free agent and, you know, teams are trying to get him uh, to their team. Matthew Stafford is like that to, like, 
times three. Like, I think Stafford still has a lot left in the tank. I still think he has a pretty solid arm. If he can stay healthy, he can definitely drive a team to at least a championship type of game. So Matthew Stafford is definitely one to watch. And obviously the Colts, with all that salary cap money, um, you know, and, and kind of being a quarterback away, if you will, are definitely a team to watch as well. Yeah, and it's sort of everybody's pointing to the Colts, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about a division which could really get flipped on its head because the Jacks are going to have Trevor Lawrence. Ryan Tannehill could become the elder statesman of the division. <laughs> He's been in Tennessee for two years. Uh, you could end up with Stafford as the quarterback uh, or some someone else based on a trade or free agency um, because they have a, plenty of money to do it in Indy. And then Houston could trade away Deshaun Watson, end up with potentially Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. But how about let's just say Fields if they trade with the Jets and they end up with Fields versus Lawrence for the next however long. I mean, the AFC South could be the yeah. focal point of the National Football League. Coming up this offseason, but also for the next couple of years to come and maybe a decade to come, depending on how good Lawrence is and maybe even if Fields, if he ends up in Houston. But if they keep Watson somehow, we know Watson's going to be a focal point for the next seven to ten years regardless. And Stafford still has a lot of football left. So all these things are pretty wild right now going on in the NFL, and it's just the context we don't talk about very often. We talk about who are the free agent wide receivers, who are the free agent defensive ends, who's the free agent left tackle. Everybody talks about free agent, free agent, free agent. But over the last couple of off-seasons, we've now talked about Tom Brady as a free agent quarterback, and even then, some people said, well, how much does he have left? Well, these guys are different. Matthew Stafford, what did you tell me last week? 16th all-time already yeah. in passing yards, and he's 32? Mm-hmm. And that guy's available? And Aaron Rodgers, who knows what happens with him? And Deshaun Watson wants to go somewhere else? I mean, you, are, again, are talking about the balance of the NFL shifting, potentially, within teams, divisions, conferences, and on a whole, based Whoa. on some of the moves that will transpire in March. And this is the crazy thing, too. And I think, I'm not sure if it was Chef Drew put this out, but it's an interesting um, list here. Right now, like, and, and this is a valuable argument, there are 15 quarterbacks in the NFL who were considered starters last year who may be on a new team or may have lost their starting spot next year. 15 Say quarterbacks. Again, 15? 15 quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson could, could be in a new home. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, obviously for the sake of the article, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. Yeah, and but Ben I, Roethlisberger throw in the mix, too. Yeah, I but Jameis yeah. Winston didn't really start last year, so I'm not sure where that one came from. But Yeah, Yeah, good point. Uh, what did he do? Did he get to start the one game? Possibly. Um, ah, but, yeah. but still, he's a big name in a, in a place. Yeah. So yeah. I get the point of the article. That's wild. I mean, I don't know about Jared Goff and, and all the rest of it, but yeah. it, it, it's it's just wild. I mean, that is the most important position in sports. I mean, it basically feels like you're taking eight short stops in Major League Baseball <laughs> yeah. or seven Cy Young Award winners and and flopping them around to different teams. I mean, it it does happen in baseball. It might even happen and does, I guess, in the NBA. LeBron's now played for, what, three different teams and four different stops. Mm-hmm. So it does happen. But it is uh, it usually doesn't happen in the NFL to this nature in the quarterback position. And, and, again, I think it has a chance to change the league. I just asked this question on social media, and I do it without a lot of reference, but it came to my mind. Is Matthew Steph- Stafford, the most accomplished quarterback to really not win. You know, everybody's goal in the NFL is to get a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
That is, you like, you, it's very hard to win if you don't have one. You can, you can make a run, but it's hard to sustain winning without a franchise quarterback. We all know that. We say that. It's almost cliche in the NFL. Well, the Detroit Lions, for the last decade, have had a franchise quarterback that is a pretty darn good player. And some people, when they review tape, and I've seen it done on them, say he's an unbelievable player with a rifle arm, a big contract, a, an accumulation of yards and touchdowns and all the rest. Yet, Austin, they haven't won, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Caldwell's years, and that's it, yeah. where they, they were able to even make a sniff of the postseason and a sniff of a winning record. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever had a franchise quarterback, especially to that caliber, and had as little success as Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions, which is like, wow, I get they're flipping the page, but the Lions are going away from a – I mean, it's definitely been more in in the Lions organization than Matthew Stafford because they couldn't even win – having a big-time franchise quarterback. I mean, that's they're like the only team that couldn't do it. No, you're absolutely right. And listen, like maybe the most telling thing of all, and I'm trying to see how many years Stafford has played now. One, two, three, four. It's got to be a decade, I think. I think he's I think he's going on year number 13, um, if I'm not mistaken here, either, uh, either 12 or 13. Um, but it's very telling because you said it. You know, he hasn't had a lot of success. He's gone to the playoffs a couple times, but that's about it. But it shows you that, listen, despite of all the games that the Lions have lost, and it's been a lot of them, let's be fair here, they've always stuck with Matthew Stafford, right? Like when when teams struggle and they, they miss the playoffs year after year after year and they don't go to the postseason, like usually the, the, the trend would be, all right, well, let's replace the starting quarterback. Stafford hasn't been replaced. I mean, he came no. in day one has been a starter, and is still a starter of that team. So that should tell you all you need to know about Matthew Stafford in terms of, number one, what the team thinks about him, but number two, how consistent and how valuable of a player that he is with maybe some pieces around him that aren't the most valuable. Now, yes, he's had some great receivers. He's had Kelvin Johnson. I think Marvin Jones is great. Or, I would say good. I would say, you know, Kenny Gowdy, when he's healthy, he's good. Hawkinson's good. Like, he's had some good receivers. But like, he has, he's never really had a run game to have his back. Um, set aside from a couple years with, with Sue, he's never really had a defense that really had his back. Um, so with that being said, like what happens if you put him on the Colts? What happens if you have Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines in the backfield? What happens when you have a pretty suitable uh, wide receiver core? What happens if you probably have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL and you have a top you know, five, maybe top eight defense? We don't know because we haven't really seen it a lot with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and listen, I grew up, I, I'm getting this on Twitter a little bit, uh, Marino fans are going to be all over you. Yeah, Marino won playoff games, poor Mac got nothing. Um, you know, Dan Marino is rolling his eyes hearing you talk about Matthew Stafford and not winning. I think you guys, I think, I understand your point. Listen, I grew up a Marino fan. I mean, I loved Marino. Marino, Marino, Marino in my, my house, okay? Um, I know Dan Marino's career. Dan Marino went to the postseason, I think, ten times. To the postseason ten times. He won 147 games, I think, as a starting quarterback, lost 93. Matthew Stafford is 74 and 90. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, folks, between Matthew Stafford and Dan Marino. Uh, a big, big difference. And by the way, he's been in the playoffs three times, three playoff games for Matthew Stafford. Dan Marino, playoff games, as I look this up, uh, hang with me, 18 of them. Mm-hmm. That's, a, yeah. that's a big difference. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm getting at is, Matthew Stafford is inching closer and closer. And by, we talked about this last week, man. 
he will have a bunch of records and be top ten and passing and touchdowns and all this stuff. And he has three playoff games. He has a losing record by 16 games. To me, he is the most prolific passer in NFL history to win nothing mm-hmm. and really accomplish nothing from a team perspective. And that's not on him. I'm not blaming it on him. It's just wild that in this day and age where it's all about the franchise quarterback, that they had one. And they've gone 74-90 and 90 in his time. Yeah, I agree with you. And at the end of the day, it goes to show you this guy's a survivor. The reason why he's been able to survive because is obviously his on the field presence, his skill set, um, and his arm. You know, like even though he hasn't won a lot, maybe most teams would have already got him out of there. But the Detroit Lions didn't because of the numbers that he puts up. So once again, I think if you put Stafford on a team that can support him, man, something special there. Yeah, I. I but one last thought on that because some folks say, like, what did he even accomplish? I mean, you think Stafford's a good player, right? Like, do you think he's overrated? Do you think he's not as good as we've all talked him up? Well, the contract, the numbers? Well, no, I, I, I think he's a great player. I don't think he's overrated. I just, I think he's underrated, to tell you the truth, because no one really talks about the guy. Let me ask you this. Would you feel more confident if you're a Colts fan of having Rivers last year, obviously with that whole hype, or Stafford this year? Like, who would you feel better about? Stafford. Yeah, enough yeah. said then. It's a good point. I, I, I do feel that way. All right. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 60, 60 Live from TPC Sawgrass. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brent Martineau. So, so it's not stuck in there. No, it's not stuck in there. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is definitely worthy of, of the number one pick. No, no question about it. I, I don't. I, I never thought twice about uh, who who his coach will be? I think whoever the coach would be, if they draft Trevor Lawrence, they build the offense around what he's good at doing. Hey, you got to adapt to what I do. That would be foolish uh, if you draft him. whoever you draft. You you adapt to what they do best, and uh, so I don't think I, I'm surely Urban Myers would would know that would do that as well. Well, we aren't going to run the wishbone, Brett. Duh. Yeah. Well, he was saying that. Uh, but, Brett, no, be honest here. And listen, I'm a far fan. But when you say, well, if you draft Trevor Lawrence, you have to, you know, set him up for what he does best. I mean, isn't that obvious? Yeah, but, well, listen, I don't know, man. This Is this, is this that far different than what you've been griping about this organization not doing for a while? I mean, you, you fit to the players instead of trying to let the players fit to what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, because is, they is, haven't done that. That's why I, well, keep, I keep on saying it. Until they do that, then I'll keep my mouth shut. But in, unless you got Caleb on chase on in a three-point stance playing defensive end, then yeah, I will continue to say it. Well, yeah, I guess that's all Favre's saying is just make sure you cater to his skill set. And he said Urban Meyer will probably do that. But I, I guess there are coaches that don't. Um, that is, is correct. Try to fit him in. And so I don't know about the quarterback position per se, but uh, I, I guess that's what he was just warning of. So um, that's Brett Favre continues to talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. Uh, it, I do find it interesting that top of mind on Jim Nance's mind last night when talking about some of the, you know, the young guns. He mentioned Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence with more to come, you know. I mean, I think that just shows you. We had um, Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs on on Friday. And didn't that – I, I should have tweeted that out again over the weekend. Maybe I'll bring it back up. But I just thought that really pounded home how big of a deal this is. And, and 
I don't know if everybody already knows this is such a big deal, what's going on around here with the number one pick, with Trevor Lawrence being that guy, with the timing of it being potentially that guy, with how much people view him as being the guy in a generational talent. Like I feel like we're talking about him. I feel like we've said it for weeks now. I feel like we knew the importance of getting the number one pick. But when you hear other folks around the country saying, and not just in Jacksonville, I think it drives it home a little bit, man. I mean, this is such a critical time in this franchise's history, and it could be changed for the better for a long time to come. I mean, that's the way people feel about Trevor Lawrence. We had Martin Buckley on Palm Beach Charter. says the value of this guy is going to sign probably the richest deal ever for a rookie quarterback. And this isn't Johnny Manziel or Baker Mayfield with a ton of personality and polarizing figure. No, this is a guy that he's going to get signed like that because people feel like he can be the next Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, who knows, someday maybe Tom Brady. I mean, that's how good they think this guy is. No, without a doubt. And what makes it extra special is the fact that the past decade, the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't had it good. Right, like everyone wants to compare um, Trevor Lawrence to be like the, the the biggest pick since Andrew Luck. Okay, but even when Andrew Luck got to Indianapolis, they still had years and years and years of success with Peyton Manning. So, like, while it was still intriguing to see what what can Andrew Luck do, he was in a good situation. Like the way we're painting the picture right now of Trevor Lawrence is this guy's gonna come in and he's gonna like save the city, if you will, because like you know the whole national narrative is the city's in the dumps. Uh, yeah. It's the Hartford of, of, of Florida, if you will, whatever you want to call it. But like we're, we're, we're having like this savior role. Like to me, Andrew Luck never had the savior role. To me, a lot yeah, of players true. didn't really have the savior role. Now maybe you want to talk about the Cleveland Browns, you know, and their past couple decades. Let's just say it seems like well, yeah. Then you're talking about a savior. But this is new in terms of football because it's Jacksonville, and you haven't had a lot to cheer about the past decade. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I just found it interesting that it's top of mind for those guys, too. And uh, we'll see. We'll, we, are, we will see. But there's a buzz around here for a reason, and uh, it's, it's definitely a big deal. And hopefully, because you have that guy, you can play in games that matter. Uh, quite a bit for a long time to come. Uh, you know, Josh Allen took a huge step this year. Obviously, he's got another step to take, and that step might be trying to beat a guy like Mahomes in Kansas City. It might be too big of a step right now. Uh, it almost feels like Kansas City's Alabama, and you have to have the LSU kind of team to beat them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it feels a little bit like that uh, in the AFC at the moment. They've been Whoa. so good. The and, last couple of years. And especially, hey, if no team doesn't want to hire Biennemi away from that team, then watch Biennemi just keep on calling the plays and keep on having success in Kansas City. Like, can some team in the AFC or NFC take the bullet, please, and hire Eric Biennemi? And it's crazy I have to say take the bullet like it's a big detriment. But can somebody please hire that dude away from the Chiefs so they can at least have some sort of, you know, uh, adversity the next couple seasons? Possibly. Yeah, and, and along those lines, what's interesting, Tom Pelissero in the last hour said Texans are setting up second interviews with the Bills defense coordinator Leslie Frazier, Ravens assistant head coach David Culley, who quite honestly I don't even know who they, he is, uh, for their head coaching job. Both now out of the playoffs eligible to meet in person. Uh, so where they are in their progress, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything on Biennemi today, but obviously Biennemi is still in the playoffs, so he's not able to come in and do that. Are they going to wait until after the Super Bowl? Will Houston wait two more weeks if they want Biennemi to hire Biennemi, even though the reports this weekend said you can hire Biennemi, but Deshaun Watson still wants out? Yeah. A tough spot for Houston. Yeah. Yeah, Tough spot for Houston. Well, I mean, it's, it's a very hard spot. Like, listen, I think the writing's on the wall for Watson. And if you want to play hardball with him, 
and then you try to keep him, you have to ask, what is that rift going to be like on a team that you're essentially trying to rebuild as well, right? Like you're trying to start from scratch again from the mess that Bill O'Brien and company left. And if you're trying to turn over a new leaf, it's hard when you have, I don't want to call it negativity because I think it's justified if you're Deshaun Watson, but just, you know, a whole another set of problems, let's just call it, with your starting quarterback, with really the face of your franchise outside of J.J. Watt. I just feel like Houston doesn't want those problems. I think Houston would, it would be beneficial to them if they washed their hands clean of the Deshaun Watt situation. You learn from it and you don't make the same mistake again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Hey, are you rooting for, happy for, Byron Leftwich playing Gabbert, Leonard Fournette? Uh, what are the feelings when it comes to the former Jags? And I think the headliner here really is Fournette. What a run that was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, what a postseason it's turning into for Fournette. Uh, are we seeing the maturation of Leonard Fournette? We, listen, this guy's had good play in him. Uh, I still think it's, it's a little bit... Uh, taken out of context sometimes Leonard Fournette's career in Jacksonville and I think he was a highly productive player I don't think he was the guy people wanted to pick in the top five (laughs) and obviously in a running back situation he wasn't going to be here for the long haul inside the building there were issues with Leonard Fournette enough to say okay we're moving on and we got a guy that we think's just as good there were inconsistencies in Fournette's game, but he's showing up, man. He's showing up in a big-time way. He's had some drop passes early in the game, but that was one heck of a run. He caught a touchdown pass two weeks earlier. Uh, this isn't all Tom Brady. I mean, Leonard Fournette's playing good football, so much so that Ronald Jones is, I know he's been banged up, but it, like, he's not even a part of it. Like, yeah. Leonard Fournette's taking all the snaps, essentially. I, I know Ronald Jones got in there in the fourth quarter a bit. So are you happy for Fournette? Uh, you feel good for him? Uh, you you come at it as a different angle, I think, a bit because you're a player. <laughs> mm, yeah. You're a former player. But w- what do you think the temperature is on this? Uh, listen, you know, I feel from my perspective, good for Leonard Fournette. You know, I mean, I, I've never had an issue with the guy. We've had him on the show, I think, two times, and he was always gracious towards me. Um, I, I didn't get to play with him in the league, but, you know, I, I think he's, he's, a, he's a pretty damn good running back. I'll, I'll say that. And I think especially, uh, you know, when we talk about the playoffs, he steps it up a little bit. Now, he never got his shine in Jacksonville, and then that's fine. His rookie year, I thought he showed some glimpses of brilliance. Um, but unfortunately, for whatever the reasons, like whatever they, they weren't using him like he should have been used, but he just didn't seem to really catch on with this fan base um, and, and with the team. To answer your question, like, how do I feel about all these guys, right? Because you mentioned earlier, you mentioned Mercedes Lewis. And you mentioned guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell, um, guys like Ronnie Harrison, who's in, uh, you know, with the Browns. Like, there's a lot of players out there. And I think that it stems from two sides. I think you have the Mercedes Lewis side, and I think that you have the Calais Campbell side, where both of those guys, like, Whatever it was, contracts, age, um, you know, turning a new leaf, like, they wanted to be in Jacksonville, okay? And for whatever reason, the organization thought, you know what, we're going to move on in a different direction. 
so be it. But like the the way like that went down, like it didn't leave any bad blood between anybody, right? Like you were sad to see Clayus Campbell go, and you're probably a little taken back by Clayus Campbell going, but like it wasn't a rift or anything like that. So people, in my opinion, still cheer for Clayus Campbell. And the same thing can be said for Mercedes Lewis, where they probably should have kept him. They probably did do him a little dirty. Now he's you know he caught on in Green Bay, and they absolutely love him there. Aaron Rodgers always speaks about his high praise with Mercedes Lewis. The other situations, though, when you got guys like Ronnie Harrison, you got guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Leonard Fournette. While some of these were business decisions, right? Yannick Ngakwe wanted more money. It still creates a little bit of a rift, I feel like. Now, the rift either comes from how you feel about the player or how you feel about the organization, right? Because when you see Leonard Fournette have success, when you see Ronnie Harrison have success, and if you see Ronnie, uh, if you see Yannick Ngakwe having success, you're upset not because the, the the player or the personality, I feel like. You're more upset because you're watching them have success in a different spot, right? And 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 you have that right to be a little petty, right? Like, you have the right when you, you get out of the relationship and all of a sudden that ex-girlfriend goes someplace else and now she upgrades. You know, like maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe you're dating a girl and all of a sudden now she's dating a lawyer or a doctor. And you, and you guys are traveling. You see my Facebook. They're all around the country taking pictures. Didn't happen to me. I'm just saying that could happen to somebody. So with that being said, <laughs> it didn't happen to me. Not really. Not really at all. So with yeah, but with that being said, um, that's the point, right? Like it's like you respect the guy, you respect even the player, but like you don't respect the situation where they're having yeah. success now, and you're stuck cheering for a team that, let's be honest, has been in the doldrums the past decade. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. I think you, you just said it a good way. It's I I think I think a lot of people around here do like Fournette. I, I think some of the fan base and. I, Again, I feel like I appreciated Fournette more, and, and I think it's mostly because he. I don't think they go to the 2017 AFC Championship game, and I think that was such a fun year for kids, for my kids, for us, in, in all these bad years, and I don't think they go there without Fournette. And so I, I think there's a level of gratitude for me for that year. Yeah. <laughs> I might be a little blinded by that year. Um, in hindsight, Mahomes and Watson and all the rest, uh, but... You're right. That wasn't Leonard Fournette's fault. And so I think it is cool to see him say that, hey, he spent a half hour on the phone with his mom crying, and he's matured. He knows he's made mistakes from getting arrested to getting cut to not even being the starting guy when he went to Tampa. I mean, that's a good story, man. Well, I mean, these guys are young guys still trying to find their way sometimes, and I think that's a cool story. I I think it would have been awesome for Mercedes Lewis, for Calais Campbell. Yeah. We we like we, we we have this affinity for those guys, affection for those guys differently. But I still think it is pretty damn cool for Leonard Fournette and for Blaine Gabbert for all he's gone through in his career, you know. Well, and speaking about stories and Blaine Gabbert, how bummed am I that this year we can't go to the Super Bowl it. and we can't I go to, we can't go to that media night where I can ask Blaine Gabbert and I saw the copy of it. I can bring in my when he sent me to the hospital, because, you know, we did that shot and everything, he sent me to the hospital. I was going to present him the bill and make him PayPal me half of it. But now, I thought, we, but now we can't even do that, Brent. I thought of that, man. I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, of all the years that we can't go, we could have got Gabbert talking. Uh, oh. got, all the, got all the dirt from the Jacksonville days. Yeah, man. That's Don't you have bummer. his number? Can't we get him on the next couple weeks? I mean, he's not doing a lot of media. I'll see what Come I can on. do. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, Brent. I'll see what I can do. We'll be back I, live at I the play. I do have his number. Well, let's go. Get on that. Live at TPC. Have a talk in the break? Dude, I haven't talked to him in 10 years. Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? Do your job. (laughs) 
Live at TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship on a beautiful Monday here in January in Ponte Vedra. Thanks for hanging out with us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I think it's different in a way of um, I can't really put a put my finger on it, and it's uh, it's almost like it's a, it's a little bit more exciting. I feel like uh, last year it was it was a question of whether or not we belonged, and, and this year it was um, let's go out and prove to ourselves that we are who we are, and uh, the resiliency, the uh, how we're going to handle adversity. I just love this team, man. This team is a. Uh, it has helped me in life in so many different ways just because of, you know, how we handle adversity and how we win football games um, and how we just keep getting better. And, uh, and, I, and I love it here, man. I can't wait to go down to Tampa in two weeks and uh, give them our best shot. Oof. Okay, that Wait, was Kansas her. City. Oh. Dang. That was Kansas City Chief. <laughs> no, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to say Chris Jones. No. Ooh. Good call. Good call. I like that. Uh, it's somebody that came in. Tyron Matthew. No. This player did have a touchdown in the game. I think he might have had two. Tyreek Hill? No, it wasn't Williams? Hill. He may have only had one. Then. Williams? No. That was Travis Kelsey, wasn't that it? That was Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Oh, was Kelsey. He throws me for a loop, man. All right, he throws me for a loop because he's he's got that bass in his voice. All right, he's got a, he's got a little little bass in his voice there. I I I was surprised by that because it sounded like somebody that had come from somewhere else, the way the soundbite was, and then joined the team. Yeah. That's why I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but uh, Kelsey's been unbelievable. Hey, uh, we'll get back to the NFL five o'clock hour. I want to ask you, and we can get we can talk more about this if we don't have enough time in the next few minutes. But is Conor McGregor overrated? Oh, jeez! Wow, starting off hot, huh? His whiskey is not. Yeah, did you like it, Coos? Did yeah. you, you had the proper twelve? Was it good? It was. It was good. Um, like, I, what is good whiskey? Do I know? Like, do you know good whiskey? Like, so, I wouldn't. Honestly, I was just I about to say, I'm probably not the expert here, but uh, they the the place we were uh, having a dinner at was serving it because I, yeah. I didn't realize the place we were going had the game on. So uh, they brought it around and offered it as either a shot or uh, you could get it mixed with um, green tea. And so I asked for both and they gave me both. And I thought they were both really good. It was really smooth. You know, normally when you do a shot of whiskey, like it has a, a good punch to it. Mm-hmm. This didn't really have that. Yeah, Let's I, bring back the happy hour horn. Where are you, Connor? Yeah. Forget it. Let, me, let me delete that tweet about him being overrated. Yeah, Hang on a second. Easy now, Brent. Easy now. <laughs> no, like, well, listen, I, I think in, in terms of like where that price point is, it's kind of like around where Jameson would be. Uh, Tullamore Dew is around that price as well. Yeah, it's about for, right. Yeah, before the price point is, it's, it's, it's not bad whiskey. Had a rough night in 1999 with Tully Muldoon. Ooh, yeah? Yeah. In co- college? Yeah. Yeah? Um, okay. <laughs> or it, was maybe, it was, might have been like when, when I got out of college. I remember it was a New Year's Eve. Oh, those, those New Year's Eves are going to get yeah, you, man. Yeah, that was a rough one. I don't think it's been – there hadn't been another one since. That's how bad it was. Really? That's yep. like me with a uh, crack and spiced rum. Oof. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah. Um, it's like me with anything. But so, so what's – am I – is he not overrated? Is he? No, listen. Um, obviously, he was upset, right? Uh, the, the underdog won in Dustin Poirier. And it's interesting, too, because if you go back and watch that fight, um, he caught Dustin Poirier clean. 
clean with his, you know, patented uh, left cross, if you will. And it looked like Poirier ate it. He was kind of wobbly a little bit. But for whatever reason, like, Conor McGregor didn't pursue him at all. Like, And that's not really like Conor. Like, usually when there's blood in the water, he goes after him. So usually you can tell, like, where a fighter's mindset is is after they have a day to watch the fight and decompress a little bit. Well, obviously, Conor McGregor watched that fight because now the word on the on the street is that he wants to bring it back again for the, the trilogy fight with Dustin Poirier. And if you watch the press conference after that fight, it was interesting. Dustin Poirier even said that when Conor caught him with that cross, um, if he would have came forward and finished him off, he probably would have been done in the first round. But he said it was a little weird that Conor didn't come after him. So I wonder if Conor heard, kind of heard that a little bit too. But to be fair, Dustin had a great poker face. I mean, he, he, he took a clean shot. And at least from my vantage point, he looked pretty normal. I mean, his legs were like, once again, wobbly, but he didn't look that damaged. So it really begs the question um, if they do it again or if Conor did something else. But I feel like knowing Conor McGregor, what he means to the sport of MMA, and knowing that he doesn't need to do this for money anymore. Like, he's past the point of being a prize fighter. Now it's about a legacy. The last thing you want to do with a legacy as an MMA fighter is go out like that. So I think he's yeah. definitely going to be back but, sooner but is rather it, than later. You know, M- MMA is interesting, Austin. Again, I can ask you more about it, but yeah. it's like he's 22-5. and five. Yeah. If you're a 22-5 and five boxer, your average is the day is long. Brent, let's be honest. If you're a boxer and you have like over two losses, you're done. Like, you're done. There, there, you don't even there's, get a there's chance. no more main events. Yeah, and that's the difference between boxing and MMA, right? Because in MMA, um, to be fair, your record doesn't really mean a lot. What means a lot is your style, what you can bring to the table, and obviously the matchup that you have. In boxing, it's a little more constructed, where it's like, all right, well, this is a new up and coming guy. Let's go ahead and give him like you know ten to. 15 guys that he can kind of showcase his skills against and when he gets to be like 20 and 0 then we'll start throwing him some harder opponents MMA is not like that especially in the UFC like you fight the best night in and night out boxing is different I just wonder if he's losing a little bit of that legacy man I mean the last three times we've seen him he lost to Mayweather in a boxing ring yeah. Khabib and now uh, oh wait he beat Cowboy right yeah he did beat Cowboy Correct. okay okay so then and then he loses to, uh, the other Saturday night so yeah. I mean, it just feels like, okay, is this guy dominant anymore? Is he just kind of an act? Is he is this so, out of AEW? I mean, what is this? <laughs> no, listen, at the end of the day, Conor McGregor is always going to be a draw just like Nate Diaz is. right? Like Nobody cares what Nate Diaz' record is, but people tune in to see Nate Diaz because usually when he gets in the cage, he does something crazy, and people tune in to watch a Nate Diaz press conference because of what he's going to say. Conor McGregor's the exact same thing. Now, is Conor McGregor the best fighter in the world? Absolutely not, but guess what? He doesn't have to be because he still has the whole Irish nation, and he still has a lot of the MMA fans community, and they still have his back as well. So he's always going to have, um, you know, in terms of pay-per-view buys and all that stuff, in my opinion, he's always going to be a draw. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Football at 5 coming up.